Hosting for your tech life. Proudly provided by Web Central. Everything technology, from computers to mobile phones, TVs and the internet. Information you want, want all the help you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. Well, hello and welcome. Lovely to have your company here, episode 345 of Your Tech Life. And we do it all thanks to the good people at Garmin Satellite Navigation, GPS technology and Alcatel and their GoPlay and other ranges of smartphones available now right across Australia. And it has been a little little moment since we've had a show. I, I appreciate that. But we'll get things back on track right now with episode 345. I'll, um, I should put in... <laughs> I just realised I've written a detailed rundown. But I haven't gone to the trouble of mentioning what's happening, when, why, and what not with the podcast. So I'm just writing it now. Podcast must explain to listeners. Thanks for your company. Thank you for downloading Always wonderful to have you with me. We have a lot to talk about this week because I want to recap on some of the things I've seen and done. Obviously, we'll talk about Apple. It's been a week and a bit now since the announcement. So what does it mean? What are the phones like? And what do we know thus far before a comprehensive review shortly, maybe next week or the week after? I have to tell you in detail about my experience with Ford in Detroit because getting in the back of a self-driving car is something very, very different. I mean... That's daunting, uh, but also very, very cool. So I want to tell you about that. Um, I think we have to talk about the GoPro Karma, which you could call a drone, but I think GoPro are rightly positioning this as so much more than just a drone. So that's that's a critical um, differentiation for GoPro. It's not just a drone. It isn't, in fact, a drone. It's a, it's a system, uh, and that's pretty cool. So we'll talk about that shortly. Also talk about... The Sony headphones that I got in Berlin and have been testing on all the damn flights I've been on since. Plus, I want to tell you about the secondhand economy. We'll talk to uh, Kirsty from Gumtree about that. And we will talk to Paul Ryan, who created an app you might remember about six months ago. We talked about it. It was called Echo Me. Well, it's kind of evolved. And that's what happens with startups these days. They evolve. And I actually really like where it's evolved to. And it's now there to help you with a whole range of things, not just mortgages and finance and those kind of things. So all of that to come here on Your Tech Life. Well, I want to kick it off with Ford. Now, I, uh, as you know, I was in Berlin for, for a few days, maybe nearly a week um, as a guest of Sony, but at IFA, the big tech show there. Then I went across to San Francisco um, with Apple for the Apple uh, announcement in September, obviously the iPhone 7. And we did a quick podcast from IFA to talk about the technology that I'd seen over there. And then we did two blokes talking tech from us uh, uh, talking about the iPhone. So we've had a couple of conversations about those things, but just broadly, I'll, I'll recap some of those things shortly. But Ford was an experience. So I traveled to Detroit. Now, I was lucky enough to bring Rob, who uh, uh, runs the uh, Twitter uh, sorry, Instagram accounts, Food, Wine, Dine, and uh, does some amazing video and photography. Um, he is the guy that came with me to CES and, and did the Truman Show-style vlog um, videos, which we did again in Detroit. And we also did a bunch of little little short-form videos uh, with Ford about some of the products over there. And what I thought we would do is we landed in Detroit. Uh, Rob came from Hong Kong. I came from uh, San Francisco, but we met there. 
And then we didn't have anything on for a day and a bit, so we went for a drive. Hired a little Ford Focus, in fact. Put the EFTM number plates on and went through Detroit. Um, and i got to tell you, that's a sad town. I was in Detroit 22 years ago, uh, and it wasn't a great town then, and it hasn't improved a lot. It's it's It feels like a place that if you had millions of dollars you'd invest in, you'd, you'd build in. You, I don't know. It feels like there's great potential there, but just not sure anyone's harnessing it. But that said... General Motors has a huge headquarters building there. Ford has factories. And, I mean, the number of Ford facilities throughout the Detroit area are phenomenal, including, and I have to tell you this, their Dearborn um, Proving Ground, which isn't anywhere as big as, like, the Yang Yang Proving Grounds here in Australia, but it's, it's huge, used to be an airport. It was, in fact, the first airport in the world to have a concrete runway, the first airport in the world to have a, a hotel, and it accepted the first commercial passenger flights in America. It was the Ford Airport. Henry Ford built an airport so that people could fly to Detroit, have a look at a car, buy one, and then fly home. I mean, that's that's what the car industry was like 80 years ago, 90, 100 years ago even. Very, very interesting. So, but that is no longer an airport. It's now their proving ground. And we did some great things there. We had all these. At the world headquarters of Ford, we, we saw a lot of speeches and conversations about um, where the company's going and some of their, their philosophies. But getting hands-on with some of their products was quite cool. I'll talk about the autonomous car in a moment. But before I do that, um, often we talk about, in the motoring world, the technology in cars being limited to you know Mercedes or even Tesla as, as this high-end um you know, automotive innovation. But in fact, companies like Ford, and I'm sure General Motors and others, General Motors have now have the Bolt, the little Chevy electric car. Um, they have just as much innovation. It's just that they don't roll it out in the same way that companies like Tesla do. So, for example, a uh, Ford has an electric car. You can buy a little Ford uh, Focus electric in America. Now, it's a, it's a traditional Focus that's been adapted to be electric. So it's not as... Smart, if you like. It's not as efficient in terms of where the batteries are laid out as, as a, another electric, fully electric car might be. But they have the technology. They know the technology. But then in general driving, adaptive cruise control. Who's got adaptive cruise control on their car? Lots of people, but not everyone. This is cruise control that when you're on the freeway, you set it at 110, and the car will stay at 110, but it'll also go slower than 110 if someone's in front of you, and it'll maintain a gap. Now, what Ford showed me and I got to ride in at the Dearborn Proving Ground was adaptive cruise control with stop-start. So imagine you're in Sydney driving from the city to Hornsby on the Pacific Highway. You set it to 60 and you point and it just it slows down for the car in front of you, even if you come to a complete stop. If you only stop for three seconds or less, it, it keeps going and follows the car in front. If you stop for longer than three seconds, you press a button, it keeps going. It's actually seriously cool technology that is readily available to, to roll out across all sorts of cars, I'm assuming, in the Ford range. But, you know, you've got to remember, cars are all about price. People don't buy cars on features. They buy them on price. So we don't have that in all cars yet. And also, uh, Australian market has a limited range of, of models in each different variant of car. Because another product they showed was Ford Pass. Now, again, I've had BMWs and Teslas that have an app on your smartphone that allows you to control the car. Well, Ford have that too. You know, don't 
exclude Ford from that level of innovation. You, with this app, you could start the car remotely, so you could you know warm it up in the morning or cool it down. Lock or unlock the doors. You could um, find it on a map because the car has a, a mobile cell in it. So it has a mobile SIM card kind of built into it and it always knows where it is because it's a GPS. So you could find the car, you could find parking, you could get directions, you could set your GPS, you can get reminders about servicing, even recall notices right in the app. So they've got all that technology. And we kind of just need to wait for it to filter down and, and become cheaper and all those kind of things um, down into more and more vehicles. And that will happen in time. But autonomous cars. I mean, this is the future. And I've never believed that more than now. I, I'm not saying that in the next 10 or 15 years, I will buy an autonomous car. Two, excuse me, two reasons. I love driving, so unlikely I'd ever buy one. But secondly, I don't think they'll be available for everyone to buy for a very long time. Features of autonomy will be available in some cars, but a fully autonomous car with no steering wheel and no pedals, unlikely to be bought by everyday people for eight to ten years. However, Ford has committed to building in production, not just one-off demos, in production, on volume, <coughs> excuse me, a autonomous car by 2021, or in 2021. Now, um, Ford CEO Mark Field said to the gathered media that this car would not have pedals, it would not have a steering wheel. This is a genuine autonomous car. So they've built Ford Fusions with all these sensors on the roof and computers in the boot, and they've got them running now. And I got to ride in the back of one. Now, in the front seat was uh, a safety-regulated driver who was there to take control if needed. And in the passenger seat in the front was an engineer who had a laptop with a real-time monitor of what the car was seeing. Now, if you think about it this way, the, the, the sensors on the roof are like the eyes and ears, the, the computer in the boot is like the brains and all the mechanics underneath are the arms and legs of the car. It's, an, it's, it's a human being that they're kind of regenerating here, but it's very smart. And it, it drove around a, an open course with real people driving around and walking around, not a staged anything. And it did it well. It stopped for pedestrians. It stopped for cars. It knew cars were there. It was cautious around turns. It was cautious around parked cars and a whole range of other things. Here's the thing, and, and this is a critical thing. It's not like in 2021 they'll just ship one to Australia and it'll just drive around. The, the roads need to be mapped. Now, I don't mean GPS mapped, Google Maps. I mean intense LiDAR radar mapping. And that's what they're doing now. So they're actually driving around Detroit on certain routes between Ford campuses, and they're mapping in detail these routes so that then they can set up a series of shuttles. And they will use Ford Autonomous Vehicles to shuttle staff from place to place. And there'll be no driver in these shuttles. And then in 2021, Uber or Lyft or other ride-sharing services will be able to buy Ford Autonomous Cars. Excuse me. And use them for passenger services. So you'll be in Pittsburgh or San Francisco and you'll call an Uber. Car will pull up and there'll be no one in it. Freaky, right? but it'll take you to where you need to go. And if you then put your crystal ball down in front of yourself and say, right, so what does it all mean in 10 years from now? Yeah. If I need to go to the shops and I've got no car here, I press a button, a car comes, it pulls up at the front, it takes me to the shops, and then it keeps going, takes someone else somewhere else. These cars continuously drive around and continuously do the job they're made to do. 
So, you know, very interesting. Very, very interesting stuff. And uh, I look forward to seeing how it develops. And I am privileged to have sat in the back of uh, of an autonomous car already. So, very cool stuff. And I'd be cool to hear your thoughts on autonomous cars. What do you think? Will you ever ride in one? Will you trust one? How do you think it'll all go down? Um, that's the future of, of cars. That's the future of future of automotive uh, transport. Um, what do you think? And will you embrace it as you as you think, or are you a bit nervous of the whole thing? Uh, the website is eftm.com.au. Get in touch if you want to. Uh, if you've got a question about technology, a problem with technology, doesn't matter what it is. Get in touch. Eftm.com.au. Your tech life with Trevor Long. And if you're looking for a uh, fitness watch, there's no better company to trust than Garmin. They've been making fitness products for many years, and they have all the expertise to help you with your fitness programs. For example, the Forerunner 230 uh, has audio prompts to help you stay on pace. When you pair the Forerunner 230 with a compatible phone with smart features, including notifications and IQ Connect apps. Uh, Other connected features include automatic uploads to Garmin Connect and live tracking. Advanced workouts and training plans can also be downloaded directly to your watch from Garmin Connect. Um, it's a great little product. It's one of many smartwatches in the Garmin lineup in a range of prices. So check them out now at garmin.com.au. Okay, so a uh, big question I've had on the, on the Twitter over the last couple of days uh, is what's happening with the podcast? Now, here's what's happening. Uh, while I was away, I was in um, deep conversation with the uh, uh, the management at uh, Macquarie Media here in Sydney, who uh, own and operate Radio Two UE. Now, as you know, for many years, about five or six years now, I've been hosting um, an hour of talkback uh, radio on technology um, every Saturday afternoon at three o'clock, as well as maybe twenty minutes or half an hour on a Tuesday at lunchtime. Um, the format of the radio station has changed quite dramatically this week, and it's now called Talking Lifestyle, and it's a fantastic format if you're ever interested in travel or health or well-being or finance and they made a decision that technology was an important part of that and they've asked me to host one hour a night weeknights 8 p.m till 9 p.m and i've started that last night uh it's tuesday now as i record this so every weeknight i'll be now uh, recording uh, in live in the studio at uh, two a week uh, creating a program taking your calls on um, 131283 i think is the new open line number um and uh, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to have a lot of things to talk about, a lot of great interviews to do, a lot of products to review. It's going to be fun. But the one big couple of challenges, firstly, it's a huge impost on my family because my wife can't go to you know meetings at school and all those different things, and we have to work our way through that. But I used to record the podcast on a Tuesday night. So I have no intention of stopping Your Tech Life. This is a great program. I love doing it. I love the direct engagement. I love just being able to jibber to myself and having um, that help you and, and educate you along the way. Um, one of the key features of this program is the talkback. And that is the challenge that I have right now. Um, when I get emails from people, I organize to call them on a Tuesday night and we chat. I may now need to have those conversations throughout the week or in the daytime. And I don't know how people are going to react to that because they're at work. Um, it's a bit harder than perhaps doing it at night after dinner. So the talkback element of this show may take some time to get back in the swing but I will continue to produce this show with my thoughts on different elements of the world of tech, um, deeper and uh, a deeper dive into certain topics that we might not cover in any detail or at all on uh, Two Blokes Talking Tech. And of course, 
will also do interviews. Now, some of those interviews will, in fact, feature as well on the radio show. Um, some of them may come from the radio show. But I think, to be honest, I don't expect that people listening to the podcast are all in Sydney for a start, and I don't think that you're all going to listen to my nightly talkback radio show. Um, so hopefully there's not too much crossover with those interviews. Uh, the two interviews I have on this week's uh, podcast were on last night's uh, radio show. Um, now, Luke, who is the, the host of the kind of evening part of the TUE, is in the studio with me doing the tech show, and you may hear his, his voice here and there. He may ask a question here or there. But I think the, the value of those interviews will still be um, quite, quite positive to podcast listeners who are looking for tech once a week. So we'll see how it plays out over the next few weeks, and I'd appreciate your feedback. Honest and hopefully not rude, <laughs> um, just honest feedback. Um, what matters to me is, what, is what's important to you. So I'm curious to, to receive your emails and your tweets and your Facebook messages. What is, it in, what is it about this show that you like most? Is it the is it me gibbering to myself about technology and, and musing? Is it uh, the talkback callers? Is it the interviews? So, so I can understand what I should focus on over the next few weeks as I find a groove. It's going to take a bit of time to get things sorted, but, um, but we will um, we'll get it sorted. And your tech life and Two Blokes Talking Tech will continue, as does Talking Technology on 2UE Talking Lifestyle, Monday to Friday, 8 p.m. So I have the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus. I also have the Apple Watch Series 2. Now, the Apple Watch Series 2, straight away, I've got to tell you, fantastic. Um, the Watch OS 3 is what does it. It's slicker, it's faster, it's, uh, it's just a whole lot easier to use. Um, that's a solid improvement, and I think it'll do very well. The iPhone 7 Plus, gee whiz, I still find this a massive phone. I've, I've always struggled with the plus-size phones, and I don't think I can stick with it, but... I will give it a try. I'll, I'll need my love handle back. Remember the love handle I found at CES? I really need that back. But the camera at a glance is sensational. I haven't gone out and done some serious testing, but I will. Um, but I, um, I'm impressed by the device overall. It's snappy. The performance is good. Battery life seems good, not excellent. Um, and I think the camera is what will sell the phone. There is no headphone jack, as we predicted, and I flagged with you some long time ago. And I don't think it's a drama. Um, and in a, in a month or two, I'll review in more detail the AirPods. But I've had a good play with them. They don't fall out of your ears like I would expect them to. So that's an interesting one. And I think that's, that's a surprise to me. Now, the question, obviously, is should I get one, an iPhone? Look, if you've got an iPhone 6S, no. This is a good phone, but it's not that much better that you want to break your contract or spend the money, unless you're smart enough to have kept it in great condition, you've got the box and you think you can sell on an eBay for six or seven or $800 and get a lot of your money back and, and, uh, and do well out of it. But if you've got an iPhone 6, you're starting to think, well, hang on a minute, uh, um, the camera is, is going to be a lot better. But still not you know, enough to make you go... But if you now have a 5 or 5S, now's the time to upgrade. I do think the... The speed and graphics improvements are enough to justify the, the three-year upgrade. And I actually believe that a, a three-year upgrade cycle is much more realistic, despite the fact that the telcos would love it to continue to be two years. So be cautious with that. Don't be suckered into an upgrade because you, you think you need one. Upgrade when you know you need one. And uh, you won't be disappointed. The iPhone 7 and 7 Plus are excellent devices. 
Um, they have done something quite beautiful with the with the design. For some reason, it just feels smoother in the hand, I guess. Um, I, I don't know how. I don't want to even try and quantify it. And the color gamut of the screen for photos and, and different things is is exceptional. It's 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 just a different device, and um, um, that's been that's been a real eye opener to me. So look, I don't think it's um, a bad device. I think it's though important that you don't upgrade for fun. So let's make sure that we don't go wasting our money. Let's try and find uh, value for you um, in your smartphone, and I think that you'll find this is a cracking phone if you love photos and you take a lot of them. Without question, the iPhone 7 Plus is the one for you. Check it out now. They are uh, on the waiting list, though, because they've all sold out and demand is is high or supply is low, whichever rumor you want to believe. You're listening to Your Tech Life. Get in touch anytime you like on Twitter at Trevor Long or on the website, your uh, eftm.com.au. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. So next up, I wanted to have a conversation about the sharing economy or the second-hand economy and... Um, what we'll do is we'll have a conversation with uh, Kirsty from from Gumtree, uh, all about just how much money we could be making if we just sold all that secondhand junk we got lying around. So Gumtree did some research into the value of the stuff that's just sitting around in our homes. They reckon forty billion dollars is is the value of the second-hand economy. The the amount of money that's lying around in our homes, and they reckon that's $10 billion more than this time last year. So back in the day, you would use the trading post, as, as we said, but these days you've got Gumtree, you've got Facebook, you've got eBay. Uh, Kirsty Dunn from Gumtree is on the line to tell us how much money we are, we are sitting on. Kirsty, g'day. Hey, how are you? Very well. What do you reckon is the real driver between the about the the amount of unused stuff lying around what what stops us from selling stuff let alone what what makes us get up and buy it <laughs> i think there's a few reasons why um the, this has grown uh, by 10 billion this year so we've actually been doing this research for five years now but i think the sharing economy as a whole has really made it a bit more commonplace so the likes of uber and airbnb and um, peer-to-peer transactions are are much more commonplace now um so i think that's had a kind of knock-on effect with the second-hand economy mm. also i think um a lot more australians are kind of having more minimalist lifestyles and having a declutter and actually seeing the value in their unwanted items and then i think as well i think because of that boom in the sharing economy i think people are seeing that they can actually Whilst, yes, there's, there's plenty of free listings, I think people are seeing that they can actually yield quite a little bit more on their unwanted items as well because mm. the buyers are still saving on the retail price. So it's kind of win-win, really. Um, so I think they're kind of some of the main drivers behind why it's, it's boomed by, by $10 billion So what is the $40 year. billion dollar number? Is that the, the amount of money you think Australia could be transacting if we sold all the unwanted things we have? Or is that the amount of money we're actually spending and, and making as, as it is right now? of um, the value that's lying unused mm. in houses across Australia. So our research has shown this year that the average household has 25 unwanted items in their house with a value of more than $5,200. So if you add all that up, um, it comes with staggering $40 billion. So and, that's and kind of the, the untapped money that you've got lying around. And I think the, the key thing here is we're not just talking about tech. We're talking about clothes, shoes, books, music, games. These are things that are lying around. If it's a game you haven't played in years, if it's a movie you haven't watched in years, if it's you know jackets or shirts you haven't worn or don't fit anymore, those are the things that are lying around and could make you money. Is that the point? That, yeah, that's it. Yeah, There's 
plenty probably in your wardrobe, potentially things in your garage or in your shed. And we actually find that clothes are the most unused items um, lying around the house. But then, like you said, there's books, there's music, there's games and toys. Like, do you think of um, how quickly children might go through different toys or especially how quickly they go through clothes? Mm -hmm. Um, They're the kind of things that you can get up on Gumtree for free. It's super easy to do it on the app and you can make some money back. Do you reckon the app is, is one of the reasons why it, the, the the online economy, let alone the sharing economy, grows? Because if you compare today to, I don't know, five years ago, let alone anything else, today on your mobile phone you could sit uh, a kid's shirt, let's say they've just grown out of size four and they're into size five, you could sit a shirt in front of you, take a photo and list it on the Gumtree app in, in seconds. Whereas back in the day, you had to get a camera, you had to take a photo, you had to get the photo off the camera, you had to go to the website. It's actually so much easier today. Yeah, I think it makes it super easy to do it. Like like you said, you can just take a quick picture straight up on the app. And then you can also manage your listing on the go. So we've got a My Messages function, which is kind of like a, a chat function through the um, app and on the desktop. So if you've got a buyer contacting you and you're, you're down the street or you're at your mate or wherever you are, you can respond to that buyer and set up a time for them to come and collect it from your house. But there's also a big market in selling cars this way. I mean, I was blown away by the number of cars that are listed on Gumtree. Yeah, yeah. So our cars category is actually our second most popular category in terms of the volume of listings. So cars and vehicles, which is everything from kind of your your normal cars to vans, utes, trucks, and also car parts is actually a really big um, business as well on Gumtree. Mm. Mm. Just a simple little headlight cover might uh, might sell for a couple of bucks that you would have thought you wouldn't get anything if you just threw it out. So, and home and garden is the most popular category. I wouldn't have picked that. Is that does that cover a wide variety of things, or are we literally talking about garden tools there? Oh, there's lots of things on the home and garden. So we've got more than five hundred thousand listings on that. So it's everything from furniture to home deco, so candles and vases, um, also building materials. So people who are renovating, um, and I guess professional kind of renovators and builders and they're able to pick up whatever they need in that category as well. So yeah, that kind of covers a wide range of home and garden type. And the simple message today is get your slice of the $40 billion sharing economy, secondhand economy, by having a look at what's lying around at home that you don't need, you don't use, and simply picking up an app like Gumtree and uh, listing it for sale. You might be quite surprised as to what you can get, Kirsty. Absolutely. You could earn an extra $5,000 by selling some of your unused items on Gumtree. We do it all thanks to the good people at Alcatel. The uh, Alcatel Mobile is the website, alcatel-mobile.com forward slash au. And if you're there, check out the Idle 4. Now, this is their flagship phone. going to be hard to get right now, but they're going to get it in in direct sales soon uh, on the Alcatel website. But the Idle 4 is... Stunning smartphone, as well as uh, the box itself that it comes in, is a virtual reality headset. Um, there's a button on the side called the side called the Boom Me Up, and you press that, and volume gets louder on calls in games. It can do things like Nitro Boost. It's a it's a great concept and a really simple um, simple one for a smartphone. And you know what? The design is beautiful. It's a uh, Android M uh, smartphone with uh, octa core chipsets and all these kind of things. It's a stunning smartphone and beautiful design. Well worth your consideration if you're in the market for a new smartphone at around the four or $500 price range, the Alcatel Idol 4. Uh, proud sponsors of Your Tech Life. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, your Tech, tech Life. Life with Trevor Long. Now, um, 
you might have seen GoPro finally announced the Karma. Now, the Karma is a product that's been rumored now for more than a year. In 2015, GoPro announced that they were working on a drone. And I remember at CES going, where is the bloody thing? I remember at IFA going, where is the thing? It just it just hasn't appeared. Now, they invited me to come to the States, but I, I just had gotten back from two weeks away. So um, I didn't I didn't go. But um, I'll, I'll have a full test and review of the Karma soon. But this is, this is a bit of a game changer for GoPro. It's a bit of a game changer because it's, it's a drone, yes. And it's a very innovative drone too. The arms, the, if you like, the, the arms that hold the, the blades fold in so it becomes quite compact and it actually comes in a backpack. So it comes in a backpack, it's compact, um, which means you can pretty much take it everywhere. But the thing is, they put the camera on the front of the drone, so it's not hanging underneath, and it won't. It probably won't see the propellers spinning if ever, if at all. And the the most innovative part about, well, not the most. There's many innovative parts. Firstly, the controller is like a little clamshell case. It opens up, and there's a small touch screen uh, on the top, and then simple controls at the bottom. Really easy to use. All the features you currently expect of drones, like you know, return to home and fly by wire and circle me and all this kind of stuff. Having a, a controller that doesn't need an iPad or iPhone is a big win. Um, but here's what they've done. Because that camera is on the front, it also clips out. Now, the camera comes separate, and they've launched new cameras to the Hero 5, which is a stunning little GoPro. Um, but because the gimbal, which is the thing that holds the camera and stabilizes the camera, a gimbal is what makes a, makes a camera stay smooth and steady in, in a bumpy situation. The gimbal comes off. And then attaches to this handheld little pole, little tiny thing. And it clicks on there and then you can hold the gimbal and walk around. Plus, the gimbal can be attached to any GoPro mount. So you can click it onto you know, your helmet if you want and have fully stabilized video. Now, if you think about all the bumpy, you know, bikes riding down a hill or surfing or skiing or whatever it might be, all those bumpy videos are a thing of the past with the gopro karma now the karma is more the gimbal than the drone so you don't even need to fly the drone you just clip this gimbal onto your helmet and you have stabilized video this is this is very 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 interesting so it's a stunning little product so i i look forward to fully reviewing it in the in the days and weeks ahead um anyone that is into drones is interested in this product and i I'm a big DJI fan, but I think GoPro may may not have missed the boat. I always thought they'd missed the boat. I do think they've missed the boat on 360, but they, they could prove me wrong there. But I think waiting is probably the right thing for them here because it's not just a drone with a GoPro on it. It's a drone with a piece of technology that applies to all GoPro applications. So whether you're running, walking, cycling, whatever it is, you could use the Karma on yourself or to film yourself via the air. It is a very interesting product. Um, look forward to having a play with that one. Full details of the GoPro Karma are up at eftm.com.au. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. So I was in Sony and we talked in, in, uh, in, in, I was in Berlin uh, with Sony and we talked about the $3,000 headphones. We also talked about their MDR1000X headphones, which is $700. Now, they gave me a set to take with me from Berlin, and I was 
lucky or unlucky enough to take an eight-hour flight from Berlin to New York, a five-hour flight to San Francisco, a five-hour flight to Detroit, another five-hour flight to San Francisco, a one-hour flight to LA, and then a 13-hour flight to Sydney. And on every one of those flights, I wore these headphones. Firstly, very comfortable. Secondly, great sound. Thirdly, noise cancelling, exceptional. As good, if not slightly better, than the Bose. But I don't think the average Joe would tell the difference. But their ambient noise features are excellent. So sitting in the airport lounge or at the gate, press a button, ambient noise voice. So it's still blocking out noise, but your music's coming through beautifully and you can just hear voices that come through. So as a gate announcement is made, you can hear it being said. Now, when you're on the plane, for example, you've got full noise cancellation on and you notice someone standing next to you going, hi, do you want a drink? You put your hand over one ear and the noise cancelling turns off, the, the volume mutes and you can hear the person talking. It's, it's actually a very, very cool feature. I've done a little video review. It's up at YouTube uh, on the EFTM channel, youtube.com forward slash EFTM online. Um, and yeah, I think that it's, um, I think it's a solid product. $700 though is where I took a star off. It's, it's just too expensive. It's $200 more than the Bose QC35s. And I don't know that those features are enough to justify that price. So I think that's, it'll be interesting to see what, what price it lands at in retail stores, whether or not there's a bit of heavy discounting that goes on to get them over the line and also how they market it as a product in, in branding and retail and all those things. So stunning product, really enjoyed it, but um, I do worry about the price, but if, Hey, if you've got 700 bucks, these are quality, awesome headphones. Well worth a look. The Sony MDR1000X uh, full review at EFTM.com.au and up on the YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com forward slash EFTM online. Up next, I'm going to talk to Paul Ryan from Echo Fide, uh, which is the evolution of the app Echo Me we talked about earlier in the year. Now, if you've ever been looking at, say, mortgage, and you need advice on a mortgage, or you're looking at real estate and you think, do I buy that, or is that a good area? Or another good one is buying a car. You know, is that the right car for me, or where can I get the best deal? There's this, um, there was an app that came out in March, so it's a good six months ago, and we would have mentioned this, Luke, on, um, on your overnight program at the time. It was called Echo Me, and I thought it was fantastic because it allowed you to go, it was only about personal finance, but you could log onto the app, and you could say, as an individual, I could say, you know what, what happens, I actually asked a question. I said, I'm on a fixed mortgage, at the end of the fixed period, what happens? Does it become variable or not? Well, about four hours later, I logged back in and I saw answers from proper mortgage smart people, mortgage brokers, uh, financial advisors, answering my question. Now, the idea of it is I could uh, I could read other people's questions and echo them, which is like resharing them. Well, the service has now been um, uh, expanded and it's now called Echofide. And it's now a website, echofide.com, echofide dot com and Paul Ryan, who's the boss, the owner, the uh, founder of the website, is on the line to chat about it. G'day, Paul. Hey, Paul. G'day, Trevor. How are you doing? Really well. Let's go back to the start. How do you describe yep. now? What's your elevator pitch for Echofide? What What do you describe it as to people who've never heard of it? It's an independent peer to expert Q and A platform where consumers are liberated. They get a voice. They can ask any question they like, and then you have um, experts across a range of industries that are showcasing their expertise and skills by providing helpful and transparent answers. So it's, a, it's an interactive um, platform where consumers can ask questions and get real-time answers from industry experts. So 
what you so what you're saying is, and let's let's talk about so the new platform. So it's not just about finance. Um, and you and I talked about the idea of cars. If I yep. if I was in the market for a car, I can I can go onto the website and I can say, look, I've got um I've got three kids. I don't want a big 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 car. I just want to be able to get them around, and I want good fuel economy. Can anyone give me advice? What am I going to get? Am I going to get answers from car dealers promoting their own style of vehicles? What What do you expect will happen to that kind of question? Well, that, that's the beauty of the platform because people want their questions answered. And there's so many times people talk to me and say, look, I'm time poor. I don't get around to asking questions or I don't know who to ask or I don't like asking questions when it's a little bit of a threatening environment mm. or people aren't answering my questions. So when we launched, as you said, we launched in, term, in finance mortgages. So we've got... Um, 250-odd um, mortgage and finance brokers, bank managers on the platforms. We don't have many car guys just yet. We have a couple of real estate agents, financial planners, lawyers and accountants. So if you actually ask a question at this point in time regarding a car, then um, we'll get dealer principals, we'll get car salesmen to look at the answers and stuff like that. So we'll provide answers. One of the key things that consumers don't want or, or is self-interest. So this is where, especially from the mortgage-breaking side of things, um, consumers are looking for answers and they're looking for answers whereby they're balanced and they're giving the right advice. They're not necessarily mm. looking for self-interest. So at this point, there's not that many car guys on there, but that's that we're a new platform looking to grow. But it'll end up being about the quality of the answer and the quality Correct. of the customer service one. I, I helped my mum buy a car recently mm. and I rang yep. two dealers. Mm. One of them... Um, kind of listened to me and then told me what he had and, you know, went with that and said he'd call me back. He's never called me back to this day, by the way. Um, And the other one in a a regional area closer to my mum listened to every word I had to say, called me back with brilliant answers and Mm. gave such great options. I didn't even haggle. I just went, yeah, great, (laughs) perfect. And I felt really well serviced by that answer. And I think that's what will come out of this kind of uh, service is whether you're asking a question in real estate or finance, if someone's really genuine about their response, then you're more likely to pick up the phone and ring that person for paid professional help, whether it's to buy the service from them or to get paid advice. Is that the, is that the end game for the, for the experts? Absolutely. And, that, and that's, you, you see a lot of experts that sit on LinkedIn and they, they're pushing information out to people. A lot of websites push information out to people. What Equified is actually for the consumer, it's pulling information back to them. Mm. Now, you speak to any business owner and they'll say that communication is the key to their success. But you also look on the platform at the moment, you see some great detailed answers. You can see a trend. Um, if someone's answered 50 questions, you can see their communication skills, their tone, their, their expertise, their, um, their skills. And you can basically make a judgment call and say, look, that's the type of person I'd like to talk to because mm. they're providing detailed answers which yep. will help me make more informed decisions. But you get other experts on the platform and they're providing one or two answers, one or two word answers. And you look at it and go, well, okay, is that the type of person I want to help me with? I mean, we're talking about pretty big life decisions here. Yeah. We're talking about buying a home, buying cars, superannuation, financial planning. Um, they're all the type of things that we think about every day. So you actually do want to be engaging with someone that's prepared to answer questions, return phone calls, um, be communicative, so, and one of the great ways that Echofy does that is you can actually see the answers whether you're participating or not. So yeah, so you can join you can join in the conversation. You can see, um, you can in fact amplify the questions that are coming through. So yeah. it's a community of questions and a community of answers. My, here's the thing: you you would consider yourself a startup. 
the it's the modern trendy word. I'm more yep. a fan. I'm I'm a much bigger fan of new business, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> as a startup, here's the here's the twenty million dollar question: How do you make money? Well, that, it's right at this point, so I'm looking to build a community, get the brand out there, get everybody talking about it and getting used to using the platform. Mm. The two ways that we're looking to make money is um, through uh, a premium profile um, for the experts. Mm-hmm. Again, I come back. This is the first platform where experts can actually showcase their skill sets and interact with the community in real time. Mm. So they pay um, they pay to get um, quicker or, or better or, pro, or a better better profiled access and they well, then become better better featured, they're providing more answers and it's better, beneficial to them in the long run anyway. Well, you could get a situation where someone might be at Penner, for example, here in Sydney and the, the mortgage broker may be based at Bondi Junction. Now, very rarely that those two will meet. But, so what happens is the person at Penrith can look at all the answers from the person at Bondi Junction, Bondi Junction and go, you know what, I really like the way that person communicates. I love the way that they answer questions. They're detailed. They seem to be following through. I'm going to contact them. And that therefore becomes, because it's a gated community when you start participating, everyone has access to all the information. So uh, Trevor might ask a question, but Luke might choose to say, well, I don't really want to ask a question, but he can look through all the answer, questions and go, well, that's relevant to me. I'd like to know all the answers. They may never have met the expert or uh, or be referred to them by in a networking platform and then say, right, they're the person I'd like um, their assistance from. And it's a genuine lead for the expert yep. because someone has opted in to say, I'd like you to help me with my transaction. The uh, the website, the service is now called Echofied, E-C-H-O-F-I-E-D, Echofied.com. Uh, Paul, good luck with it, mate. Thanks, Trevor. Appreciate the time. Good on you. Talking technology without the jargon. Your, Your Tech, tech Life with Trevor Long. So that's it. There you go. Episode 345 in the can. Thanks to Garmin and uh, Alcatel for their full support. And thank you to you for your support and for giving me a little break there to get the world sorted and finish my travels. I'll continue to travel probably more than ever, to be honest. Um, but most importantly, if you're in Sydney, I would love your support and your uh, your ears on a uh, weeknight, Monday to Friday, 8 p.m. till 9 p.m. on TUE 954. If you're on the on the interwebs, which you are, uh, talking TUE Talking Lifestyle au tue talking lifestyle.com.au is the website uh, and uh, soon uh, if you've got a digital radio in any of the big capital cities you'll be able to listen to the show at night uh, live on your radio so it's all coming ahead uh, talking technology every weeknight on uh, tue talking lifestyle uh, 13 12 83 is the number but if you want to get in touch with me just go to the website eftm.com.au get in touch say good day on twitter at trevor long and uh, hit like on facebook uh, trevorlong.com to find that page and I look forward to chatting you again next week on Your Tech Life. 